Hello, welcome to BR Roundtable, episode 117. My name is Gary and uh, I'm joined by Anthony and Steve this week. Chris is unfortunately unable to join us, but he should be back next week for all the GDC stuff that we'll be reporting on then. Um, but thank you to everybody joining us, listening uh, on the podcast after the fact and listening, uh, watching on YouTube after the fact and also to everybody joining us live in chat as well. Um, we really do appreciate that. And uh, we've got a good show for you this week. We've got a little bit of GDC hype that we'll be getting into. Um, but before we get into all of the news and the games that we've got, to talk about let me go over to anthony first how are you this week oh i'm doing very good um i'm going back to my day job so that's kind of weird it's going to screw up my little vr 365 thing a little bit um, but i'm still going to gdc on tuesday and wednesday and i'm super like i you know we, we have breaking news and stuff that's always going on so really excited to get over there and try to check some stuff out yeah, very jealous, very jealous of you, <laughs> Anthony. That'd be great. Uh, hope you get to try a lot of different hardware um, and try out a few games as well. Steve, how are you this week? I am good. Um, I played through um, almost not not nonstop, but it was the the game I was playing through pretty much relentlessly. When every time I got in VR this week was Alien Isolation. Uh, I got rehooked into that and I completed it. Um, so I did. I did the whole game in about a week and a half, um, so that that's more than usual playtime for me out of VR. So um, I, I'm not specifically going to talk about it. We've we've covered Alien Isolation a lot in the past, but uh, damn, it's a pretty good game. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I've, I've played a fair bit of that, and I've not got too deep into it because I I played it when that game first came out. I played it on flat, and I played a fair amount, about ten hours or so, um, on flat, which is a fair amount for me, believe it or not. It's not for a lot of people, um, but uh, yeah, I, I really do enjoy that game in VR anyway. But before we get into the news, um, I did quickly want to mention that. Um, if anybody is heading down to EGX Rest event in London um, on April the 6th, I'll be there um, as well. So if anybody wants to meet up, then send me a tweet at uh, Reckon VR um, and we'll arrange something. Um, I think there's a few people going down there, so hopefully we can do some kind of meetup, uh, sort of impromptu meetup at some point. That would be great. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, look me up on Twitter and we'll sort something out. Um, but I suppose we can get into the news this week. And the first news story we, we do want to get into, which is a lot of speculation, a lot of hype for GDC. Um, and the first thing we, we'll go into before we get into some uh, sort of predictions and, and stuff like that, let's go into this uh, report that uh, was on Upload VR. And this is to do with some emails that were sent out to some uh, developers which specifically mentioned the Oculus Rift S, and it was in conjunction alongside um, sort of Oculus Go and Quest. Now, this wasn't sent out to all developers, all the indie developers, or, or anything like that, but it was sent out apparently to quite a number of, um, I suppose, larger developers or developers that are in partnership with Oculus themselves. Um, and it did, it did mention the Rift S specifically, which does point to some more speculation that we were alluding to last week. And the past couple of weeks, this has been building up based on the fact that the Oculus Rift has been out of stock. And it just seems to be getting more and more out of stock as the days go on. Um, so this could point to some kind of announcement at GDC next week, which I think we are probably all hoping for. Um, 
But let's let's touch on this quickly. So with with these emails, Anthony, what do you think of this? Is there any? I, I suppose in in conjunction with everything else that's been going on over this past week, it does point to quite strongly to the fact that possibly something will be announced at GDC. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's too much smoke. There's got to be fire. You know, there there's too many things that are going on with this Rift S and with all the conjecture of it. We go back to David Jagana, I believe, of Upload VR. Remember, it was a couple of weeks ago where he said, I just tried the most comfortable PC VR headset ever, and there's going to be more information in two weeks. K bye, you know. Upload VR knows something. They've got people like I don't even know if this email thing is truly legit because some people are saying, oh, it was just a typo and and there really wasn't a Rift S there or something. I, there's a lot of speculation that's going on about it, right? But regardless of that, Upload VR is the biggest VR gaming website in existence right now. If there's if there's a bigger website, let me know about it because I don't know about it. So I think Upload VR is the biggest one out there. They've got to have a couple of people inside Oculus that they're cool with that give them a little bit of some info here and there. This Rift S thing, it is happening. The question is, on Wednesday, are we going to find out the price and and like are they just going to like make an official announcement Rift S it's here it's available now this is the new Rift um 399 I mean who knows you know whatever the price is and it's available right now I really believe that it could hit and be available right away because you got the quest looming and I think they want to get this out of like everybody thinks there's a problem with the Rift S and the quest being so close together but think about uh, an announcement that you heard a month and a half ago. Do you really remember that that much? No, you kind of move on with your life. And so if they bring out the Rift S on Wednesday and it's just out and it's available, yeah, there's going to be a lot of fervor for a couple of weeks about that and people you know, thinking about Quest and Rift S and debating back and forth. But a month or two later, it's going to all settle down and then that's when the Quest comes out. So I think it's all going to work out perfectly fine. Okay, um, Steve. I think it's interesting uh, to hit on the the price of these devices. You know, the Quest and the the Rift S. I think the Quest has been confirmed at three nine nine dollars now, um, and that could point to a possible price for the Rift S if that does get announced. But before we touch on that, what is is your overall impression of this, Steve? Do you think that this is sort of more or less a certainty now? Yeah, um, I do. I think it is a certainty. Um based on on what we have heard combined with the stock shortages like um that's not that i would be very surprised if that was just merely coincidence um so i think it's coming and i think it's going to be one of those okay and this this replaces rift and it's available essentially right now with the with the announcement one of those type of things uh very similar to what they did with the go even though we knew the go was coming they they did something similar at was it f8 um so i i sort of expect something along those lines now um part of me is hoping they they've already publicly said that the quest will not have video input but, you know, part of me is completely wishful thinking is that these two are possibly one and the same still. Like they somehow figured it out. Like like that just it because the, the, the rumors are and the reason why I say all this, the rumors are that 
the the um this rift s is is basically a tethered quest that's kind of built along similar uh, similar uh, clamshell similar specs um a, a lot like that and it it makes me wonder like if they're rolling off of the same production line like the same molds the same lenses the same uh everything and um yeah i would i would still love and i don't know i'm wishful thinking but i would love for these to be one and the same because um from a cost and a, a benefit standpoint i don't think consumers necessarily need to buy two sets of lenses two sets of of per eye displays two uh velcro straps whatever like like we don't need to necessarily double down on 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 this physical device um so part of me helps i don't think that's the case and and you know if i had to wager money on it i wouldn't bet a penny because i'd be a penny poorer um so uh but i do think the device is coming um there is lots to wonder like people we still have the one key speculation and i will say i still don't believe it and and it came from that same uh sort of uh upload vr reporting and that they say that there was references that the ipd is software based and I'm just not buying that. Like, I'm not like, I, I understand that there were references in the code for a software IPD, but when you turn the little slider on your Oculus Rift or uh, basically on any other headset other than the Go, what you see is you see the display pop up and tell you, you know, what the mechanical adjustment is. There's reasons for the position sensor uh, or the encoder, whatever it is in the IP mechanical IPD adjustment, there's reasons for it to report back to the software. Uh, maybe it, it, it changes uh, chromatic aberration correction. Maybe, uh, if anything, it's got to report to the display so the user sees what they're changing their IPD to. So um, I I don't buy that rumor. Um, so anyways, I'm rambling. Uh, I'll send it back to you. Well, yeah, well, well on, on that point, like it, this device, it could be, so, you know, Hopefully, you know, in an ideal world, this could be a one and the same device, an Oculus Quest that can just be tethered to a PC. Because by all the rumors, that is literally what it could be. And I think it's placing Oculus in a very difficult position to have a Quest and a Rift S, which are identical in specs, with one just having a cable. That seems ridiculous. But they that is probably the way it's going to go now what i would suggest is that would imply that the actual rift s would possibly uh oh i lost gary um well, okay I, well I'll I'll... <laughs> you jump in go ahead <laughs> okay no well one thing i was going to say until gary comes back the one thing i'll say is that you were talking about the clamshell, you know, like it might have the exact same clamshell and, and, you know, it's basically the same thing. It's just, they don't need the Snapdragon. They don't need this. They don't need that. So it's going to have that stuff out of there. But one of the things I was going to say, I think these are two different physical things. And the reason why I would say they're different is because remember the quest is a standalone device that has been balanced for weight for how the weight, for how it's going to sit on your head. It's got the Snapdragon. It's got this stuff in it. It's got the battery in it. And the Rift S is not going to have that. So, like, when David Jagano, I, I, you know, I go back to this. I mean, obviously, he's talking about yeah. some headset. It's either, like, the Valve HMD, it's this Rift S, or something else entirely. But he's talking about something. And I think... Um, 
he was talking about how it's the most comfortable PC VR headset he's ever tried. Well, he's obviously tried a Quest. He tried it last year. So if it's the exact same thing as the Quest, then that's not the Rift S that he's talking about. But I think the Rift S and the Quest, they're going to be they're going to be in different casings because of the balance and the weight and the comfort and all of that. There's some advantages that the Rift S is going to have over the Quest by not having an internal battery and all those other things. And I think they're going to want to have it, you know, ergonomically balanced nicely. But it obviously would share a ton of the same features, I would think. Well, one of the things that made me think that it's going to be in the same uh, the same physical body is the inside out tracking that that we're being told that the Rift S will feature. Um, so I don't, I mean, not to say that they have to, to use the same one, but I'm seeing, I, I vision this Rift S as being a Quest minus the Snapdragon and the, um, any, any cooling and anything that the Quest has in it. That's, that's what I'm visioning. I'm visioning it being the same controllers because of the inside out where you have to have the ring up top instead of around the bottom, like we do on the Rift controllers. Um, so in my mind, I'm really visioning this and, and I could be wrong. I mean, this is, this is all speculation. I need to be clear about that. I'm just thinking my thoughts through, through with what little information that, that I have at my disposal. Um, the other idea is that it could borrow more from the the Oculus Go, um, which kind of feeds into that no mechanical IPD. Um, you know, there's rumors that it'll be an LCD screen uh, rather than a AMO LED, um, things like that. So it could be more like a Go with some camera squeezed in. Um, but to me, I think that's less likely. Um, so, uh, Gary, I believe we have you back. So I'm going to send it back to you. OK, yeah. Um... Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what went on. There's, there's things going strange, going wrong <laughs> behind the scenes here. I don't know what's going on in terms of Skype and OBS, but strange things happening. So we'll do our best to carry on. Um, but but uh, one point I did want to get back onto is the price of the uh, Oculus, uh, the Rift S and the, the Quest. So I, I think the, the Quest has been confirmed as being $399. Um, so that would... Really, I mean, you can take the price of the Rift S if it was going to be announced next week, and we are sort of making several jumps of speculation here, but it's all interesting stuff to do anyway. Um, but if the Rift S was to be announced next week, with this being a tethered device without the need for the uh, system on chip or anything like Hello? that. <laughs> Come on oh, again. Hello? No, I, I got I you. I think we're back now. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so without the need for the system on chip, so I suppose with the um, the the price could potentially be, you know, lower than the Quest. That would make sense. I would assume it would be at least in line with the current Rift, three fifty dollars, and hopefully um, two hundred ninety nine dollars if possible. That's what a lot of people are hoping for. You've not got the the fact with with the original Rift, so you've got all these sensors. So you've got two sensors that need to come into play as well, um, which they're obviously charging for within the package. With the Oculus, uh, the Rift S, you won't need those sensors, but then it's got a little bit more technology on board with the uh, cameras the uh, inside out tracking that the cameras are going to have um, so that could may mean that that the headset itself is slightly higher in cost the, the the price is an interesting question to touch on Anthony what do you think of all this what do you think the potential price of the Rift S could be 
Yeah, I mean, what you're the point you're making is pretty obvious there. Like you would think the price would have to go lower. There's no Snapdragon there. You know, I mean, it's it's all the same stuff. It's all going to be in the same box. Why wouldn't the price go lower? So, yeah, I think we would have to assume two hundred and ninety nine um, would be you know, that's a magical price. It is a it's a psychological barrier. You get under that $300 price tag at there every time you you know you go to 299 you go to 199 like each time you do that you're breaking a psychological pricing barrier and that is big one quick thing i wanted to say though about you guys talking about how the quest and the rift s are going to be like these identical things one thing i think that oculus would do even if they were identical for the most part i think oculus would deliberately make the controllers and the headset look different so that it just slightly different like coloring or something so that like you you would look at it you immediately know it's a quest or you immediately know it's a rift s i think they would do that very deliberately because otherwise look at everybody in chat talking about well it should just be able to hook up to a pc you know you you get into all those those things. And I think if you keep these as two completely separate products and you're like, no, these are, these are separate products, guys. These are separate products. I think they would absolutely go out of their way to do that. Yeah. Steve, what are your thoughts on price of the Rift S um, based on sort of the, the quest and the, the original Rift? Oh, yeah. I think that fixed it. Dang it. Um, we heard just having all sorts of problems today. Um, so uh, I was muted. Uh, I'm unmuted now. So um, what I was saying is, is that I think uh, 299 makes a lot of sense because there's less uh, product in the box. You know, there's no extra sensors that need to be provided. There's no... Um, uh, it's just it's just less physical material for them to ship. The distribution costs are down because the boxes, in theory, should be smaller. Um, everyone's telling me I'm muted. I should be unmuted at this point. Um, so uh, I'm assuming that I am. I see the little bar bouncing. Um, so uh, I think 299 is good. Uh, that's what I would expect. Um, but I think an interesting sort of uh, caveat to that is um, one of the things Oculus focused a lot on was pushing down the minimum GPU spec for the Rift. Um, initially, uh, I think it was the GTX 970, um, and then they, they've actually lowered it to a GTX 960. Um, with that in mind, if this Rift S is a higher resolution, will they be able to maintain the minimum spec of a GTX 960 and a GTX, uh, I think a 1050 or a 1050 Ti? Um, so will they be able to maintain that or will the minimum spec shift up with this Rift S? What do you guys think? I would, um, oh, go ahead. Go, no, no, you go ahead, Anthony, yeah. I would just say I, I think it would shift up, and which is okay because, you know, this is like two years later, right? since they dropped it to 960. So I, I think that's always going to be a moving, it's always going to be a moving thing, you know? And so th they're still down pretty low. Like even if they bump it up to a 970, I don't think that's that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think um, that they will probably try to maintain it as much as possible. And the fact that these things, the, uh, the Rift S will probably be, a high resolution hopefully and um it will just be you know lower screen door effects it doesn't necessarily need the fact that it, it's running at those high resolutions and if they can put in some kind of detection for the hardware it's running on and, and change it accordingly then then that will be great too it's opening it up so three years ago 
the 970 was a relatively high uh, graphics card. Now it's not so much. So if they can keep that baseline and just give uh, newcomers a less, you know, a lower screen door effect, I think that will be valuable in itself anyway. Okay, well, let's just quickly, before we go on to the next news story, we should probably uh, go around to everybody and see what we've got in terms of other predictions for GDC this year. Um, so we've pretty much covered the Oculus Rift S, but um, Anthony, what are your thoughts on anything else? You're going to GDC, so um, what do you hope will be announced and what do you hope to see while you're there? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, obviously, I I plan on seeing this Rift S thing. I think it's going to be there. Um, I, I probably will have to wait till Wednesday to see it, you know, at the Yerba Buena. I'm, I'm guessing that there's going to be a lot of Quest games that have been unannounced up until this point, original games, and then also, like, a lot of games that we're expecting anyway that are going to be officially announced like for example in death from soul far studios like if you go back to oculus connect 5 or i was it oculus connect 5 or whenever they were doing a big thing on the oculus quest they had a screen in the background and i think hugo barra was up on stage and they had all these logos and like soul far studios their logo was there what game do they have gee i don't know it's called in death they also have everest experience you know so probably that uh, I think Beat Games logo was on there. Harmonix was on there. So Attica. But like we don't have official announcements of these things. So I think we're going to get some official announcements of games that we expect anyways, like Rec Room from Against Gravity and stuff like that. Also, I do believe there will probably be about three or four Quest games we've never heard of that hopefully Oculus got some... See, one of the things we missed out with the Oculus Go is Oculus came out with the Oculus Go, but they never got any of their high-end developers to make a banging Oculus Go game, you know? Like, we never really got that, right? But I think we are going to get that with the Quest. So I think they are going to have some key developers. For example, we already know Turtle Rock Studios, the guys behind Face Your Fears 2, and uh, what else I can't think of. Like, they did... Um, uh, yeah, man, I can't think of the name of it, but it was a uh, a multiplayer game. But basically, we're going to get all kinds of announcements like that. As far as Rift goes, we might get a teaser trailer from the Respawn game. That might be there, possibly. I mean, this isn't exactly E3. It's not Christmas, so we're not going to get everything. No, but, but um, well, yeah, Steve, what do you think of this? Not just in like the, the, hard, uh, the software, um, but also in terms of hardware. What do you think else will be announced at GDC? I suppose the big one I'm, I'm alluding to is Valve. <laughs> Well, um, like I mentioned last week, I don't expect Valve to to ever announce anything ever again. Like they just, <laughs> they don't need to. Like I, I think they're just playing around almost. But um, I, I I say that jokingly. I do expect them to announce this stuff at some point. Um, but I'm not I'm not ever going to put a timetable on them. Um, I do think there's something else. Um, I think uh, Anthony mentioned earlier the David Jagannath tweet that he made. Um couple weeks ago or whatever about wearing the most comfortable uh 
headset. I don't think that's necessarily the Rift S. Um, I think it could be the Valve headset. It could be something from somebody else. Um, you know, maybe LG will lurk out of the woods. And uh, when I think of GDC, uh, and I think you mentioned it last week, Gary, is, um, or maybe someone in chat, uh, I, I want to give credit where it's due, but I don't remember who specifically. Uh, but they basically said GDC is a, a decent time to announce hardware because you have all your developers together. It's a developer-focused conference so showing off hardware showing off the tool sets um, that developers can actually make content for um, this is a good opportunity to do that so if there's going to be another company announce another piece of vr hardware this is um, not necessarily a bad time to do it um, so uh, i think there will be something else it would be impossible for me to say what that is um, it could be it could be anything like, like, like I mentioned, it could be from valve. It could be from LG. Um, you know, it could be the star VR guys come out of the woodwork out of their bankruptcy or whatever it is they filed. Like we don't know. Um, and it'd be impossible to predict, but my prediction is that there will be something else. Okay. It was probably somebody in chat that mentioned that just to give credit where it was due. Um, Anthony, just quickly going back to you in terms of hardware. So you were talking about some of the software that you're hoping to see and experience at GDC that time. Do you, have you got any sort of inclination that, that Valve will announce anything or even like the smallest amount of uh, detail to what they're working on at GDC? Well, Valve, I the way I understand it, Valve's announcement is coming on Thursday, I think. I think I heard that somewhere, right? And... I was in one Reddit thread where people were discussing this and I, I kind of stick by my guns where valve doesn't play by our rules. You know, they don't, they don't usually go to somebody's somebody else's thing and then launch their thing at somebody else's thing. That's not normally their, their MO, you know? So what, what I'm expecting from valve on Thursday, if there's anything VR related at all, I'm thinking like, Oh, it's a, you know, there's a new update to Steam VR Home and you can now do this and you can now do that. And it's going to be one of those minor stories, but I don't really see them having a freaking Valve headset at GDC. Like, I don't see that. I, I would love it to be true because uh, that would be awesome because then it would be mass chaos. I mean, think. oh, and someone in chat, Chris Richardson in chat was saying could be Cosmos. Hey, we forgot about Cosmos. Remember Cosmos? Like HTC hasn't said anything about Cosmos in a long time. Cosmos could be there at GDC. That could be an exciting thing because we we got barely any details about Cosmos originally. Yeah, that's true. And um, like that with the uh, just going back to Valve, I wonder if um, the, we'll get anything on the Knuckles controllers. These have been in the background for so long. Even if we don't get an announcement of a headset, if they don't want to sort of do a simultaneous announcement of the headset and these Knuckles controllers, they could still show off some more stuff with the Knuckles controllers. I think, um, or at least developers probably will will be doing that. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, in t in terms of like HTC, that they, they could. Do, be doing various things with the uh, the cosmos um there and i think that would be a great time for them to show it because it's there from what we've heard they're aiming that far more at the consumers than some of the other products that they've been releasing and announcing over the past year or so so 
it would make sense for them to do that. Um, other than that, you know, predictions wise, it's very difficult to say. I think um, the way things are going, the Rift S is probably a relatively safe bet, although I still probably reserve some uh, judgment on that. But I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess we can move on to some other news stories. Unless anybody's got anything specifically we want to mention about GDC uh, before we move on. Um, the only thing I think I'll add and I'll put you guys on the spot. Well, maybe not Anthony, he'll be traveling, but if we get a Rift S announcement or, or something breaking, um, someone in chat asked if we would, we, would do a special episode, um, covering the breaking news. So, uh, Gary, are you up for that midweek? If that happens, <laughs> I'll do my very best. I can't guarantee it, but I will do my very best, um, to, to, yeah, appear on a midweek show if we do that. All right. And if Anthony wants to call in from a hotel, <laughs> that's 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 game as well. Yeah, my Internet will probably be terribly slow, I'd have to imagine. <laughs> OK, uh, well, let's move on to a few other news stories we've got down here as well. So the uh, the next one on the list is to do with Facebook uh, Research Labs. They are demonstrating some realistic avatars, um, which they basically what they're, they're doing, they're calling this research codec avatars, and it's taking place in Pittsburgh Facebook Reality Labs. Um, I think Abrush is quite heavily involved in this, but the way it works, Basically, it seems to be taking very detailed 3D scans of people. They have to sit in this kind of dome thing with a lot of cameras, a lot of lights pointing at them for 15 minutes. And it takes very detailed scans of them doing expressions, uh, different expressions, and uh, sort of amalgamating them into, into this computer, which then uses AI and various technology in order to um, predict what they're doing when they're in VR. So you get a very realistic representation of the person you're talking to um, in VR. Now, there's there's a few things with this. Um, it's a long way off. I think that's the first thing to say. We're not all be going to going to be going into these domes and getting our faces scanned or anything like that. This is sort of very early days. They're experimenting with all this stuff. And I, I suppose it's more like a, a the impact in social VR as to why they're doing this. They're, they're looking at the impact of having a realistic um, avatar in front of you of the person you're talking to and how that affects you. Um, and this isn't just really based on, from, from the report that I've read, it's not really based on the graphical fidelity necessarily of these avatars. It's based on the AI and the machine learning of, of how people are reacting within VR, which is the most important part. The graphical fidelity will come at a later date but but the fact that they're doing this kind of stuff and it makes sense that facebook are doing this um because they are focused primarily on social interaction i, I would say um but it's it's an interesting thing and i do encourage people to go and read this article just to see that, like the future of where these things are going but um steve i'll go over to you first um wh when you saw this what what were your thoughts and do you think this is the right direction for facebook to be focusing their efforts I do think it's the right direction for Facebook to be focused on their efforts because this is what I vision Facebook doing all along. Like when we think of what is Facebook, you know, what, what is it? Like we, those of us that, that were, are old enough to remember the early days of Facebook, we, we saw it as sort of the, the better MySpace or whatever. Um, but, but what Facebook is, is this, this social influencing tool and it's an attempt to connect billions of people uh, all over the world. And what better way to do that is with some, you know, with 
with this kind of technology, um, you know, I vision a future where um, we we are able to teleconference or we're able to to meet with people um, from the other side of the world and actually be able to express ourselves in this way. So I personally think this is um, amazing in a way. Um, it's while simultaneously um, not being something that I'm personally super hyped over. Like um, it'll be nice. Like when I'm on business, you know, if I can interact with my family, when I call them at night before going to bed or whatever, um, you know, interact with them in, in this way, I think that would be super cool. Um, but it's, it's not, um, it's not something that I anticipate in the same way I anticipate a, uh, you know, an 8K per eye VR headset that, you know, that, that, that can run on very low end hardware that costs, you know, 200 bucks or something like, like it's not, it's not the sort of the same, uh, anticipation that I have. Um, but I think it's very impressive and I think it fits within the type of things that I expect out of Facebook, which, um, ironically, like so far they've really only focused on gaming within their their vr offering we, we see these subtle signs with um with 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 the home environments and, and some of the connectivity uh facebook spaces when it came out a couple of years ago um but in my opinion we haven't seen them really sort of connect the vr dots to what they are um you know what what facebook represents in, in a bigger bigger sense and and someone in chat said facebook equals a data mining company um yeah that's another aspect of it the things that oculus the steps that oculus are taking um doesn't really mirror the steps that that facebook takes in in in, in their day-to-day -day operations so i'm waiting for the other foot to drop for for that that cohesion to um eventually happen uh and this type of thing is is sort of semblances of of that taken taken shape yeah i mean this technology it's obviously a long way off but one of the comments we had in chat um is to do with um when they the boneworks so the boneworks game that we discussed a couple of weeks ago i believe um they said that they used um the iphone um app and used the the depth sensing camera on the iphone in order to to capture expressions um in order to implement them in that game so that would be like a very budget version of what they're trying to do here and that's a possibility for the future as well but anthony um regardless of whether this is near or far away and and the amount of effort it takes in order to scan your face in there would you like this kind of thing in the future of vr do you see it as being so, having some kind of place yeah i want it like yesterday but but see people in chat are saying you know yeah you can use a phone and you can just kind of you know you you take little scans from different angles and it combines them together i don't want that i want I want next gen avatars. Like I want avatars that are beyond what I could cobble together in my own house. And I've always thought of this. I've always had this idea, this theory of how this could be done, but it requires somebody that has locations all over the place. Cause that's how it would work. So for example, like let's say Microsoft, let's think of some like seven years in the future, Microsoft is really into VR. This is a really big thing. And, and also, you know, for AR and everything. So you would go to a Microsoft store and they would have a machine there that maybe costs like $25,000 for them to have this machine. And you pay a small fee and you stand in this thing and it goes, you know, it spins around it, it scans you. And then once it has that perfect scan of you, then it uploads it to the cloud 
so that whenever you're in any Microsoft VR game, you can use that as your avatar if you want, and it'll it'll perfectly resemble you, and it'll add like an extra level of immersion, I would think. I've always, like one of the arguments I was making is, we've all seen these movies, right, where somebody steps into a new reality, okay? Like some weird thing happens, they open up some door and they're in a new reality or something, okay? But when they step into the new reality, they don't step into the new reality as a cartoon character. They step into the new reality as who they are. And like, if you would look down at yourself, you're going to be yourself. And I feel like, I just feel like the immersion would be so much stronger if I'm looking down at myself and I'm like, oh my God, look at, there's my scar on my knuckle or my wrist or whatever, you know, it got, it has everything dialed in. And then the other thing I'd have, I'd say about this whole thing too, is like, you hear about machine learning and neural networks and all this stuff is how, this is how they're doing it. Okay, that's great. But then when we're actually doing this, like when this actually comes to consumers, where is that deep learning and machine, like where's the machine learning and the neural networks? Like where is that processing happening? Is it happening on your headset? Is it happening on your PC? Is it happening in the cloud? And it's somehow streamed into whatever system that you're using like where is that happening because we're not all going to pittsburgh facebook reality labs and we're all going to play our games there where they have got supercomputers that are running this stuff so i i mean i'm sure all of these things will be explained at a later date and it does appear like this is like maybe five six seven years away so we can't get too excited about it yeah yeah it's um yeah good question i mean i would assume that what's happening here is in terms of the machine learning that is done remotely but then what they do is they simply apply that to uh as like an algorithm that everybody can then use so they get all of these participants in terms of um putting in their their facial expressions and how they react in certain things and then they create an algorithm that then anybody can use locally on their their own machine i mean i don't know there's a there's a lot of questions with all of this stuff um but anyway let's move on to the next news story and another so this is not a great news story unfortunately this is that uh, google have shut down their vr film studio spotlight stories um and this came out of a variety report um, from an email that was sent by Karen uh, uh, Duffalo, uh, who is an executive producer of Spotlight Stories. And she said in this email, Google Spotlight Stories is shutting its doors after over six years of making stories and putting them on phones, on screens, in VR and anywhere else we could uh, get away with it. So, you know, I think we've all heard from a few of these these story uh these google spotlight stories these experiences even if we haven't tried them all so the highlights from the ones on the list you know pearl was a big title and that actually won an emmy award um and also age of sale that was one a little bit more recently that was released um and that was very well received all of these things are very well received but they're free and they don't bring in any revenue they don't have any advertising or anything like that these are experiments and things like that, that that Google are putting out there um so I suppose it's uh, I mean it's without a doubt a very unfortunate story um but Steve going going over to you w did you play any of these uh, Google spotlight stories and is there any highlights for you I played them all this week I feel um 
historically, I've always been very high on things like Lost, Henry, Alamette, and so on. And um, I feel sort of stupid and that I'd never played any of these. Like, I, I don't know how I miss them. Um, uh, I, I, the only thing I can say is I feel stupid. So uh, when I saw this news story earlier this week, I'm like, oh, man, I got to go check these out. And um, Pearl and Age of Sail, the two that you mentioned, uh, stand out as being really good uh pulling on the heartstring little emotional short stories and um i recommend everybody do these these are all free there's about eight of them um but like i said pearl and uh age of sales stand out i like the um the wrestling one with the uh son of uh, jaguar um but but they're they're all good they're all worth doing uh some better than others but they're free they're they're each of them are i don't know three to five minutes maybe eight minutes something in in that sort of time slot and um they're 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 great like business wise um and and i'm sure google wasn't necessarily making all this content to um you know turn a profit or anything necessarily it's a it's a learning and a development opportunity uh for their staff and for them as a company um so it's it's not that that i look at them as losing i mean google is a a massive profitable um you know talk about a data mining company there's another one for you and these companies of this size are always going to experiment and do things that lose money in and of themselves. So um, Spotlight Stories is definitely a case of that. Like it was never going to be profitable. Um, but man, at the same time, it's sad um, that that these aren't going to exist anymore, um, that or at least that they're not going to continue to to fund new ones. I'm assuming the existing ones will remain uh, accessible for everybody. And, um, you know, kind of thinking through the medium and the technology as a whole, like, I think there is a a big opportunity to tell short stories um, and to to do things. And and this is um, I don't know where we go from here, you know, speaking in, in a bigger sense, like who is going to do this sort of thing and when is it going to be economically viable for this kind of content to be made? Um, this past summer, we, uh, my family, we went to see The Incredibles 2, the Pixar movie. Uh, we, we saw it in the theaters. And before that, there was a uh, another Pixar short, short story that uh, also won a Oscar or something, I think, this past uh, last month when, when we had the Oscars or earlier this month, whenever it was. And um, that little short would have also been really cool in VR in the same sense of, of, of these Google Spotlight stories. So um, I hope this type of content is able to continue to exist, that new stuff is made. Um, I just, I don't see how when it's not economically viable, it's got to be some massive company like Google or Pixar that just do it for the learning curve. Um, but, but I sure hope stuff like this doesn't fade away entirely because I think it's all pretty great. Yeah, the, um, Pearl is one that I went into yesterday, and um, I, I meant to try it a long time ago. I just never got round to it, um, unfortunately. But um, it is a great experience, and I think you need to take all of these things into context. When 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 these things are fighting for space on a platform which can offer Skyrim, Fallout Four, you know, high intensity gaming experiences, Project Cars, and that kind of stuff. 
you need to really be in the right frame of mind to want to experience these things, but they are valuable. Pearl was a great experience. I didn't try Age of, Age of Sale, actually, um, but uh, that's another one that I, I would really love to try. Anthony, which of these have you tried that stand out to you, and, and what do you think of this overall? Uh, well, I've tried Age of Sale. I've tried Scenaria, Pearl, a couple of other ones. Um, I've tried. I haven't tried every single. Like I didn't try the Jaguar one. I know I didn't try that one, but I, I've tried probably like seven of them, and they're good. I like this stuff. I'm a fan of this stuff. Now it's one thing to be a fan of this stuff, and it's another thing to pay actual real money for this stuff, and that's the big difference there. And that's where we have a little bit of an issue here, but it's, you, you see this story and it's not like they're saying, man, we loved Google spotlight stories. If only people bought these things, we could continue, you know, they were never selling it. So like, this is something that they did. They offered it for free. They decided to shut it down for whatever reason. I wonder you know, Google, I mean, that's a whole nother topic. I'm going to GDC, like Google's supposedly going to have their own little streaming console and all of that. I wonder if this, does this say anything bigger about Google and VR? Because they have Daydream. I don't know that Daydream has worked out for them as a company, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, I, I mean, there's some concerns there a little bit. Just um, very quickly, you've just reminded me of something that a lot of people were tweeting out last week, and this is not really anything to do with this story. It's to do with Google, um, and they are going to be announcing something at GDC. I don't want to stick on this because I don't think it's anything to do with VR. Um, I, I do hope it is, but um, I, from everything I've read on, and seen, it doesn't really have too much to do with VR. But um, I just quickly wanted to go around and get your impressions on this. So so last week, Google uh, released a video about some the future of gaming, um, and they had just a very short video. It didn't give anything away at all. Um, but a lot of people were speculating it's VR. I think most people will assume it's this streaming service that Google have been talking about for a long time now. And I think that's safe to say that that's what it's going to be. But have, you got any, have either of you got anything to add on that? Do you think it could potentially be VR? I don't think it is. I think it is a streaming service because um, they, they showed this leaked controller. All right. This kind of yeah. weird um, uh, controller that, that actually doesn't look too good either. Um, so um, I, I'm assuming it's that. Like, I have no reason to believe it's a big VR investment. Yeah. What about you, Anthony? Yeah, I just think they're, you know, they're trying to compete. Like, uh, they're trying to figure out how to battle like PlayStation 5 and Xbox, whatever the next one is, and this is their entry. Like, they're really going to do it. They're really going to do this. You've got to have a really good internet service, though, to be able to take advantage of this. I've never, like, you know how PlayStation has, what do they call it on PlayStation? PlayStation Now. Yeah. yeah. I've ne I've tried some of this stuff, and it's like, nah, man, it's got to be completely imperceptible for me to ever be interested in it. And then when you think about VR, it's like, that's like 12 years away. I'm not even thinking about that. 5G, 5G, baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go on to the next news story anyway. So um, Microsoft, this is another bad one, unfortunately. Um, so Microsoft have said a representative, Greg Sullivan, who is director of communications for Microsoft's mixed reality arm, um, made a comment to say that, uh, that VR headsets didn't meet high expectations that they set. And it, he wasn't referring simply to the mixed reality headsets, as I 
first expected when I read this, but apparently he's, he's, talking, he's talking in general about the VR industry, um, which is a little bit disturbing. And the article which um, this was on Upload VR, um, and so what they he went on to say is that it could potentially have some kind of future in industry and enterprise uses, but not necessarily in the consumer uh, part, or at least not quite so strongly in the consumer part, which is, you know, it's not a great thing to hear if you are a VR consumer and you enjoy being a VR consumer. Um, so, Anthony, back to you on this one. What did you think when you first heard these comments by Greg Sullivan? Yeah, it's not something that you want to hear, of course, from their director of communications, uh, you know, for their mixed reality arm. But um, I don't know. You could spin this in a lot of different ways. See, Microsoft, one of the things that Microsoft deals with on a regular basis is people always yapping at them about, hey, why can't I use these mixed reality headsets on the Xbox? And Microsoft keeps deflecting that. And they're like, no, you know, we're not really going to do that. And so, I mean, from the very beginning, like when we started to go down this VR road, Microsoft was always kind of of the attitude, yeah, yeah, VR, we've kind of looked into that, but we're kind of betting on AR and we've got the HoloLens and that's our thing. And Microsoft has always kind of gone down that road a little bit. And then it seemed like they wanted to half-heartedly dip their toes in the water with their reference design, the first Windows Mixed Reality setup. I don't really know what to think about this comment because it does appear that we're going to have additional mixed reality headsets like a, a new wave is coming. Uh, Hewlett Packard Copper is a mixed reality headset. It's a new one. It has new features. So there must be like a new reference design somewhere, I think. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. I wish we had a little more information. I wish like Greg Sullivan was interviewed by somebody and they really asked some probing questions because we don't really have a lot to go on with this. Yeah, that's true. Uh, just before I pass it over to Steve, uh, I just wanted to thank the Super Chat. So Alexander's willing and uh, Mark Henshaw, um, thank you very much for the Super Chats. Um, but Steve, going back to this then, so these high expectations that the general VR industry set, according to Greg Sullivan, no VR headset really or platform has really met those expectations. What do you think? Well, I mean, I, I, we don't, we we need to know what those expectations that they were dealing with were, right? Like, um, to to know whether or not they met them, or 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 to even know that the expectations were were fair. Um, I believe that in this post um, Apple, post iPod, post uh, iPhone smartphone world, that we we expect emerging technologies to um, come out like a rocket or disruptive technologies to, to just shoot out like a rocket and everybody and their grandma, you know, has one by the following Christmas. And um, I'm not sure that that is actually fair. Um, if we listen to uh, people like Zuckerberg or, or people that um, were a little closer to it, I think all along they were saying that it was more of a slow burn. Um, I'll say as a fan on the consumer side of the technology, uh, it is slower than I would like. Um, mostly, um, 
while I, I chase hardware improvements and I want higher resolution and wireless and, and all this stuff, um, I think the bigger aspect for me that has been a slower burn has been the content. Now, some of that is the new technology and that people um, expect there's a lot of angst whenever a, a flat game is ported to VR, you know, with, with the um, you got to have hand controls, hand presence and all this. And um, so there's there it seems like we reject, you know, people porting flat games, but I, I still believe um, one of the things to make this technology take off is getting the gamers on board. And I'm not saying anything I haven't said before, but getting the gamers on board. We, we know that VR has permeated uh, about 1% of the Steam uh, users, uh, 1%. Um, in an argument that I had on Reddit with David Haney recently, uh, he and I were going back and forth on some numbers. I discovered that about 48% of Steam has a GTX 960 or better, meaning that 48% of Steam essentially has a VR-ready PC, yet we've only sold to 1% of Steam a VR headset. So why aren't that other 47% that can run VR, why aren't they going out and shelling out 350 for an Oculus Rift or 199 for a Lenovo bundle or whatever? And I think that answer is content. Um, and I think that answer to get there is, um, is, is, is more ported flat games, more, more, uh, uh, Hellblade Sinuous Sacrifice, more of that stuff, more Alien Isolation, even though that was a mod. Like, I, it's not native VR, but I think that is what's going to take it. The, I, I'm convinced that people will spend the money. Um, we'll spend a thousand bucks on a cell phone. We'll spend 1200 bucks on RTX cards. Some, some people will. Like, I, I think it's an issue of value. I don't think the cost is the biggest problem, more so than people saying, okay, I can spend 300 bucks if I feel like I'm getting 300 bucks worth of value. And I, th I think that's the, 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 the problem. And, um, I think the, the comments from, from this is, is essentially correct in that it is, um, not been as successful as, as, as we would have liked to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair points all around. I think, um, on that. Um, one thing I, I think from the outside point of view, it does feel a little bit that, Microsoft have not done enough to push their mixed reality headsets or their mixed reality platform. Um, but at the same time, they did take time out to develop it. And they're still, I think their focus is, I think Anthony, you sort of mentioned this as well, like the, the, um, the HoloLens and the AR is their focus for this mixed reality platform anyway. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I do hope that they continue down this path. And I think having third parties is an important part of this. It's worked out very well for Valve by having HTC and HTC have gone on to, to do their own thing. But having so many third parties doing a, a platform which is so limited in some in some respects was probably a little bit of a mistake, but um, you know, who knows how it would have gone otherwise. Okay, a couple of little news stories to uh, mention quickly. So Sniper Elite VR, this has been announced uh, this past week as well. Now, I've not played a Sniper Elite game. I've heard of them, and actually, you know, I've come very close to trying them in the past. Um, they're always on offer. They're always on sale on, like, PlayStation Store, um, because the, these are the kind of things that I think I'd be interested in. So correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if anybody's played a Sniper Elite game on the show or help us out in chat if not. Um, but my impression of these games is it's very much like a... 
kind of like a hitman game but where you can plan your attack so you have a strategic way of playing this game you have to get to the right right point um pick your target and then take them out um not so much action-packed all the way through at least that's my understanding i could very well be wrong on that um either way whether we've not i don't think any of us have played it but either way having a title of this magnitude coming out in vr is great now it's been announced for PlayStation VR and will support the AIM controller. Um, hopefully it will come out on PC VR as well, which is the platform I would, uh, I'd prefer to play it on. Um, but uh, Anthony, what do you think of this? Yeah, I don't have much to say. I'm also a guy that has never played any of the Sniper Elite games. I've always seen them, always heard of them, uh, never played one. Usually the sniper stuff that I've ever done was part of some other game, but then you had to like be a sniper for a minute. And it does seem like it would work good in VR. Uh, we did see the pictures where they were playing it on a PlayStation VR and they were using the PlayStation aim controller. They actually didn't make any comment about any platforms, although it's obvious from just seeing it's definitely coming to PlayStation VR, but it could definitely come to the PC platforms as well. Sometimes these developers will, uh, well, the publishers and all of that, they'll avoid saying anything like that because maybe they've got a small little deal with Sony, like a 45-day window type of a thing. You know, we've seen that happen a lot. Rebellion is the publisher of this game. They, of course, did Battlezone, and, um, but the developer is just Add Water. That's the actual developer that's going to be doing this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's a known commodity. That's a good thing. Yeah, I should point out quickly as well. This is obviously it's a standalone game. It's not like a conversion of one of their flat games or anything like that. This is a standalone development. Um, as Anthony mentioned, it's not being developed by Rebellion, but they are publishing it. Uh, Steve, uh, excited for this game? A little bit. We'll see. Um, <laughs> you know, piggybacking off of my. Uh, previous comments about porting games and such like this being a standalone game sounds great but um you know i enjoyed back the batman arkham vr and that was a standalone game uh, but if you compare it to the scope of the actual batman arkham games the, the flat games um it's sort of paled in comparison in terms of scope so uh, i hope that sniper elite vr doesn't sort of do the same thing uh, also the uh, bethesda's wolfenstein thing that uh, we haven't heard anything on in a long time uh, was it cyber tiger or something <laughs> i don't know um but like i'm concerned that that game is like a one hour you know standalone vr experience so um hopefully this is a full-fledged game that 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 has a you know a six hour campaign or or in a multiplayer component maybe like um i don't know if the sniper games do that i personally never played a sniper game uh i played a lot of shooters like you know the a lot of the battlefields, Call of Duties, uh, and so so on, but I just never got into um, Sniper Elite, which is sort of ironic because in most uh, online military shooters, like I typically play the role of sniper. I like to sit back and pick people off from a distance. So don't ask me why I never played any of these games. I just never did um so uh, i'm hoping I, I think it's good news either way uh, i know a lot of people like these games and that they're um they're they're successful in their own way maybe not to the degree of call of duty and such but um you know them investing in vr and uh and all is is in general good news i'm i'm just being a little bit greedy and hoping that it's a uh a deeper scoped game um and, and all that so 
Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, quickly before we move on to a couple of little topics we've got down here, um, the Viveport Infinity, which is kind of like, um, I think they've tried to sell this as kind of like a Netflix service for VR. Um, that is now being announced as uh, $12.99 a month or £99 per year, um, but it doesn't encompass every single game or app that's available on Viport, I believe. Um, I didn't read too much about this. Has anybody got any thoughts on this? Um, I do. Uh, I think I added it to the list. Um, the the Viveport Affinity is, I think, is a good idea. And I think that's, you know, things as a service are, are sort of what we're used to today. Um, and, and I'm hopefully I'm not using just my own anecdotes. So, so chime in guys, but I feel like a lot of the things that I do is sort of an all you can eat buffet of services. Um, my music is that way. My movies and TV shows are that way. The only thing that really isn't are games. And um, so I think at its core, this is a good idea, but getting the price right. You know, I pay, I think, 10 bucks a month for, for Netflix. Um, enormous value because my kids are always using it. Like, like someone in the house almost has Netflix going almost all hours of the day. And um, it's a good value, but it's only $10 a month. So I always thought gaming um, could benefit from a service like this if we could sort out the economics um, and and that it could be something that wasn't, you know, 80 bucks a month or something crazy. So this coming in at $12 a month, I think the price is very fair and it's very interesting. Um, I think when you look in further and you realize that it's not all of the software available on Viveport, isn't included in this um i think that gives it more of a pause and and i and i get it's you know they're just rolling this out so uh the vive team needs to you know work with more developers and, and get them to sign on the dotted line and sort of agree to the deal and all that but um i think i think a fixed cost um even one that was as high as maybe 50 bucks a month um which is considerably higher than where they are now but you could sort of unplug as a gamer and as a consumer and say, okay, I know my gaming cost is 50 bucks a month. That's it. I'm going to play every new game. I don't have to worry about this game releasing on this day and budgeting, you know, 20 bucks for this game and, and missing out on another game. Like, I think, um, I think that could work. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that the price would be 50 bucks. I'm just choosing something considerably higher than Netflix, but I'm intrigued by it. Um, there's lots to sort out, lots to um, you know be be dialed in, and I want the the developers and the people that spend the countless hours making this content to to be compensated fairly. Um, but I think I think a, a stream a um, all you can eat service is is how we're getting all of our other digital uh, content consumption, and I don't see why it wouldn't work for games um, at some point as well. Yeah. Uh, thank you to Tony M for the super chat as well. That was very much appreciated. Uh, Anthony, you got any thoughts on this news story at all? Yeah, I mean, the thought that I have is like, if I wasn't doing this with you guys and also VR365 and stuff and getting codes and things, like I absolutely would sign up for this. I really would. Like if I was just a regular Joe, you know, just a regular VR enjoyer, I absolutely would sign up for this. Now there's worries, of course, about Viveport screwing up your computer but but you know pushing that to the side it's $13 a month but it's a better deal if you do sign up for a year you're paying like 
under nine bucks a month. It's like $8.51 or something if you do the math, right? And yeah, you're not going to get the absolute most latest, hottest games that hit Viveport, but you're still getting a lot of games. Like I saw a list of some of the stuff that was included and like Apex Construct, Island 359, Fantastic Contraption, a lot of other games are in that list. And if I, I mean, I'm in a, we're in a weird situation, all of us, you know, cause we do get these keys. We get stuff all the time. We're almost like, you know, we're spoiled really. But if you're a regular Joe Blow, why not? Why not try this out? Like, even if you were to just try this for like two months and then cancel it, you know, at least there's a lot of stuff you could sample. Of course, those of us that have data caps, that's another little issue you got to think about too. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, okay, well, that's pretty much all the uh, news stories we've got here. I did want to, so let, let's move on to the first topic we've got. Um, actually, probably the only topic we've got this week, and then we'll get into a few games. Um, so, as I mentioned last week, um, Whitway Studios, Leaf and Whitway Studios very kindly contacted me on Twitter and said that uh, I was welcome to borrow his uh, Pimax 5K Plus for the week. Um, so obviously I took him up on the offer. I'm not going to turn that down, am I? That would be ridiculous. Um, so I did that and I picked it up last Monday. Um, and that's it. That's the box there. It's going back tomorrow. I'm going to drive it over to him uh, tomorrow uh, to return it. But I am very grateful. Um, and if anybody wants to, you know, thank thank them indirectly for allowing me this opportunity, then uh, go ahead and log on to Steam and search for People Cubed. Um, it's a, a little puzzle game that they're ma making and uh, they've made and they are still working in VR as well at the moment. So uh, check that out. Um, but with the Pimax, so um, when I got it home, you know, I, I guess I'll start at the beginning. Installation was uh, pretty straightforward. I'd heard a lot of horror stories about the installation and that kind of stuff. It, it didn't necessarily go quite uh, smoothly for some people as it does for others. I was quite fortunate. I had to... Um, I had to install it a couple of times, but then once I'd uh, updated my NVIDIA drivers to the latest version, and it did have to be the latest version before it would detect the headset, then everything went relatively smoothly from that point on. So um, not too much of a problem with the installation. Um, and then immediately I went into the blue. This is the title that I always go into. Whenever I get a new PC-based VR headset, I'll always go into the blue because I know what to expect. I know how it's supposed to look and how it can look better on certain headsets than others. So I went into there and the resolution. So rather than the wide field of view, which was the thing I was expecting to be wowed by, that really didn't affect me to the to the point that I was expecting. Um, but the resolution did, and everything looked absolutely crystal clear in the blue. It was so good. And I'm just to clarify, I'm running it on a 1080Ti uh, on my machine. Now, performance varies quite widely in some of the experiences, and I'll, I'll get onto them a little bit later. But the blue was running, for the most part, 90 frames per second um, and looked fantastic. Um, so, yeah, the resolution was the, the first thing that stood out to me. And I'm probably going to ramble a little bit here. So anybody else that wants to jump in on the show, it, then, then it's hard. It's hard not to ramble when you're trying to give <laughs> impressions on this. 
Yeah. So, but if any point, you know, somebody wants to jump in, then go ahead. Um, because the other thing as well that I've heard, you hear so many things. We all read about this as enthusiasts. We read about these headsets and the impressions that people have. And a lot of people would take talking about how because it uses LCD screens, they're sort of they're not quite as vibrant as some of the other headsets. I was actually quite impressed with how good the display looked. Um, and again, you know performance was very good in, in for the most part some titles i will say like uh, skyrim for example uh, elite dangerous these were running at a solid 45 frames per second um which is not ideal of course but they ran well enough because it was a solid 45 frames per second they were they were running relatively well and and for a vast majority of the week i was running this on a normal field of view so for anybody that doesn't know, the Pimax comes with this Pi tool software and that enables you to make a few tweaks uh, within the headset and you have small, medium or large field of view. The large is obviously the biggest one, but you'll get more distortion and I'll get onto that in a second. Um, and then you can slowly sort of try different titles out. You get better performance on the smaller field of view. Um, and it's still significantly bigger than most of the headsets that are around at the moment, even on small. Um, and as much as the wide field of view didn't hit me um, when I first went in, you do sort of get used to it. And I've tried, Steve gave me some advice actually, he said, don't go back to the Rift for the whole week. Try the Pimax and then go back to the Rift. And I'll get onto that in a second. Um, but I did have to briefly try the uh, PSVR because of the games that we... Uh, we're going to be talking about in a moment but um yeah because i tried the pimax on the monday i went back into the psvr there wasn't like a huge hit or anything like that but since tuesday i have solidly used the pimax all week um so before i get onto my main complaint with the pimax let me just quickly talk about some some other other things um there's some little finicky uses i think steve you mentioned this as well in terms of like not just the installation that some people have some problems with but just general use there is some finickiness to the software and sometimes you have to unplug things reconnect things and this isn't entirely unexpected and, and in fact we should probably go back to like the launch of the vive i think people going back to that that subreddit uh, our Vive back at the launch of the Vive, people did have problems with it. How they'd they complain about the finickiness of Steam VR and get and getting the the Vive to register. Sometimes I personally didn't have any problems, but people did say they had to reconnect and connect. Even to... even now, so so part of it is that you're coming from primarily an Oculus Rift, and um, I have no reservations in saying that the Oculus SDK on a Rift and the reliability of just powering everything on and getting into a game without issues that is so much more of a streamlined uh more robust experience than steam vr as a whole now part of that may be because steam vr has wider support for more hardware yada 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 um so so what you're going to describe the finickiness of is in part just going from primarily oculus to jumping back into a Steam VR lighthouse tracked environment. If you had gone to a Vive, you would be experiencing some of this finicky, 
finickiness as a whole. Uh, with my Windows MR, I have finickiness. I'm using it while I'm still waiting on my replacement Pimax. So um, I just want to jump in and say the, the finicky nature, while very true for the Pimax, I'm not, I'm certainly not discrediting it in any way or, or giving it too much credit, I guess, in this case. Um, but some of it is you're, you're going from a, a sort of the Apple together, well streamlined approach to more of the Android uh, wider support, but just not as smooth. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fair. And it's not like it's been overwhelming. And and part of this is because I'm I'm reading so many things about the Pimax and how people do have a problem with, with certain things with it um, in terms of them having to reconnect things and change USB ports. And to be fair, this past week, I haven't had to do that a great deal, but it has happened now and again. Um, there was one day last week where I... I loaded up my machine, nothing had changed from the night before, and yet I was just getting black screens, and I couldn't understand why. I rebooted my machine, and I still got a black screen in the Pimax, and uh, Lee at Whitway Studios, I was terrified. I was thinking I'm going to have a £700 bill here, to be honest. Um, but what happened was, all I did then, I started, the, the, the Pytool software was set up, and all I did, they've got a reboot option. Um, in the Pi tool, and I just did that even though I rebooted my machine beforehand and it didn't make any difference. When I did the reboot option in the Pi tool, everything just went back into life, everything was fine then, and, and it has continued to do so. Um, so there is a little bit of that, um, and also it's probably important to mention that Steve, you've 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 spoke about this before as well. Not every title in the Pimax will work as flawlessly as you probably want it to there are for the most part let's be fair for the most part they they work fine but there are certain issues in some games um fallout 4 vr which is one i tried on the first night does have some texture issues which uh don't uh render quite correctly in in the headset did you do that um, with parallel projections i did yes yeah 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 that was okay did, have you played uh fallout 4 in the I went in there very briefly, but because I uh, did a new Windows installation, I haven't reset up Fallout because I did all those mods, and it's oh, like, okay. so it's like a pain. Like, this is the when you mod a game, Skyrim Fallout, like getting it reset up if you do a new Windows install is is can be a chore. Um, so I did that with Skyrim, uh, but I haven't done that with Fallout because I've already beat it and don't really plan on returning to it. Yeah, um, well, Skyrim, for example, it does. I mean, Skyrim's perfectly fine. There's no problems in Skyrim at all. It runs at a solid 45 frames per second on my 1080 Ti, um, which is an okay way of playing it. It's not ideal, but it's fine, and you get the benefits of the wider field of view. Um, so I suppose that the point that I want to get to, really, and it's the point that initially is the most disturbing part of this headset, is the distortion. Okay, now, I, I don't want to... And I'm going to be very balanced about this, but I think it's fair to acknowledge it because I did experience this. On the first day, um, I was pretty much at the point where this is really bad. I mean, the first day I used it, it was really bad. Now, when I posted, I posted on, on a private VR roundtable forum just to give my initial impressions of it. But I was being very reserved in the amount that distortion actually bothered me because I didn't want to, because Steve, I know I know you're a fan of Pimax. So I didn't want to uh, just, just come out and say, <laughs> I didn't want to immediately come out and say, like, this is really bad. The distortion's really bad and I, I, I can't use it. So, 
that was my initial impression of it. Now, there's so many different little tweaks and different things that you can do in order to reduce the distortion. It does it, it never takes it away completely. So the distortion, for the most part, is it's a very narrow amount really when you look at it and, and try to be objective about the amount of distortion you're getting it's not a huge amount around the edge but it does sort of go onto the top edges and the bottom edges as well this is something I, I don't hear a lot of people saying but there is definite distortion on the top and bottom edges um and i'll get onto that again <laughs> sorry there's so many points to hit on a little bit later on but 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 the the point is when i first went into it it was it was jarring the the distortion was jarring you can move the headset away you can change the ipd and do all of these things to reduce it but after that first day i tried all of these things and i wasn't particularly impressed but as the week has gone on and i don't want to sort of uh, dismiss these people that get the Pimax and say that there is distortion, it's unusable and it's the deal breaker for them. Because I think for a certain subset of people and a subset of consumers, there is going to be a factor where they can simply not get past this distortion level. Now I've persevered. I knew I only had this headset for a week and I was going to use it every day, pretty much every day, no matter what anyway. And as that week has, has gone on, I have slowly managed to get past that initial reservation of the distortion and it's been to the point where i couldn't uh, uh, like yesterday i went into it and i was so surprised of my reaction of going into this headset day on day on day and slowly throughout the week it's got better the distortion is still there and it's still a problem but I, I suppose my main point is to say, don't dismiss this headset immediately when you first get into it, because you can, there is a certain factor, and Steve mentioned this to me behind the scenes, of simply getting used to it. And I, I was skeptical of that at the beginning of the week, but this has gone from being an absolute deal breaker on Monday down to the point where it's, it's not a so much of a problem it's still there and there is so that i suppose that the, the point as well that i want to make is that there are so many sensitivities in vr we wear these headsets that are so close to us personally and we all have issues whether they're comfort or screen door effects or distortion some people are far more sensitive to screen door effect than me i personally I can see the difference, but it's never going to be a deal breaker on me on any headset. Whereas distortion could potentially be that way for me on a on a headset. Hey, quick uh, question. Um, so I know with like DVD players and with certain like really high end TVs and with like projectors and stuff, we have the ability to like use masking to like add more black. You know, like like for example, like. Steve, you're in the projector world. Well, I mean, you used to, or no, you still have a projector now. And those of us that have been in the projector world, sometimes you'll have a, a projector and you're you're projecting something on your screen and there's all this noise at the very top. And you can just use a masking feature that just like makes a black bar basically just come down and just block that distortion. Why, is there something technologically speaking with the Pimax where it no. can't just like- It does. Put, so oh, that's, it does do that. So that's what the small fove, uh, normal fove, and large fove does. Uh, large fove is 170 horizontal. 
Um, normal's 150 horizontal and small, I think is 120 horizontal. Um, and that's exactly what it does it mask out. So um, my personal experience is um, at large fove, I get, um, I see distortion on the, the horizontal edge. I have no distortions on top and bottom. It would bug me if I did. Uh, normal fove, I lose just about all distortion altogether. Small fove, I have none. Um, and what that does um, is in, in addition to just masking it, it actually changes the render target. So if you run small fove, you can actually get better performance because it's not it's not just masking it, but it's also not rendering in that additional horizontal space. Um, so it's actually a nice feature, and, and it could be one um, that other headsets borrow. Like I don't know anybody'd want to sacrifice fove, um, but you know if there's um, a, a troublesome game like Fallout 4 uh, and you're playing on an OG Vive, you know, it might be better to sacrifice 10 degrees of Fove, get closer to the PlayStation uh, VR or closer to the Rift Fove and get a better Fallout 4 experience. I don't know, but I think I think the option um, would be sort of nice. Yeah, the, the um, with the distortion, the, there's a few things to mention. Okay, now I have a relatively uh, low IPD, and people have speculated that this could potentially make the distortion worse. I don't know if that's true or not. But with this, uh, the distortion on the top and the bottom. Okay, there's a very the, the clearest example that I've found to demonstrate this is if you go into the lab. And the loading screens on the lab, they're very sparse. Uh, you've got like the, the, the loading screen picture in front of you. And then you've got these stick figures, the, these two-dimensional stick figures at the bottom of the screen. And what you can do, you can look straight ahead and everything looks fine. But then if you look, so if the stick figures are at the bottom left corner, you can then move up to, you can look up to the top right corner of this loading screen and it will look like the stick figures are nodding they're 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 being compressed and out the the corner of your eye it looks like they're nodding and this is the clearest example of this distortion at top of bottom bottom and i encourage people you know just go in and try this out if you don't get that then there's got to be something about the 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 way it's interacting with everybody's face and their eyes um, because that's the clearest example it's just blatantly there for me this distortion is blatantly there on the top and bottom um but not to take anything away okay now now uh, as I mentioned, the top you know, and bottom distortion let me ask you um is the top and bottom distortion worse than the odyssey that you had because i know that was a big problem okay had. Yeah, this is a point I wanted to hit on as well. Okay, the distortion in, in the Pimax is completely different. It's nothing like the distortion I was describing in the Odyssey or when I first got my Rift. Now, now that was very centralized distortion, and it's almost like when I turn my head, uh, the distortion is barely perceptible. It's like subtle. It's so subtle, it's barely there, but it's it's noticeable if you if you're sensitive to it. And I think that's that's the key with this. With the Pimax, it's all on the edge. It's all on the edge. And while I expected that, there is a level of I didn't expect it to bother me in the way that it did because there's so much movement on the edges. So whenever you turn your head, there's this compression and expansion on either side very slightly and i don't want to sort of overstate this for people that are thinking about getting the pimax because it won't affect everybody i know it won't affect everybody but there is this constant movement you turn your head and the inanimate world is compressing and expanding either side to the point where it's just a distraction now 
I spoke the, the the main point I want to get to on this, and probably the final point really, um, is that I don't feel like I'm experiencing any more or any less distortion than anybody else that, that has a Pimax. It all comes down to sensitivity to, to this particular effect and how you, some people are probably unable to block it out or ignore it to the ex extent that certain other people are. Um, because if I focus entirely centrally in the Pimax, what a great experience. It's absolutely fantastic. But the fact that there is a small amount of distortion there is enough to distract me to the point where I think twice about the Pimax. Now, as I say, that has got better as the week has gone on. It has got significantly better. So don't underestimate the fact that if you persevere with this headset, you will probably get a much better experience after a week or two weeks. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's pretty much where I land on it. See, I think um, I, I... I agree with everything you said up to that last point where I don't think it is the same for everybody. Um, you know, the person I got my 5k plus from, he described it as being just like being in a fishbowl. Like the, the distortion was horrible. And ironically though, the same person says that the Odyssey plus fits him like a charm and that he has zero distortion in the Odyssey. So I've not seen this person face to face. So I don't, I'm just assuming our eyeballs are spaced differently, our heads are shaped very differently, maybe different size um, and all this. So I, I do think it's very subjective. I see, um, I, I participate fairly decently in the uh, Pimax subreddit and I see a thread, someone like, just got a Pimax 5K and I see no distortion. It's wonderful. It's the best thing since sliced bread. And then one thread up, you'll see someone say, I just got my Pimax and it's like looking through a fishbowl or whatever. Like, people are have very drastic differences in their experience um to for me to think um so one i think people's heads are different their their physical properties of their faces are different and it's going to offer a varied experience and then the other thing uh and i'll be able to speak to this whenever i get my replacement headset is i don't know that from pimax uh exactly. one to the next that they're perfect carbon copies that that the experience is going to be the same so um i do know that from from people that have tried the same unit some people experience more distortion than others um but i will be very interested when i get my replacement if it has more or less or the same uh amount of perceived distortion i will also add that I basically, if I look for it, I have distortion in everything. Um, the worst headset for me ever was that Dell Windows MR headset. Uh, I'd say the next worst is probably the Odyssey as I get it on the top and bottom. So like when I compare the Odyssey and the Pimax, which it was different for you, Gary, um, I have more distortion in the Odyssey. Um, so it's just... Yeah. What what is it like? I and, and I think the answer is, and someone in chat mentioned it, and I've had the idea beforehand. I think the answer is having an advanced configuration menu for the the deep deep enthusiasts, the tinkerers. I know it's sort of counter to the appliance mentality that I'm I'm sure a lot of OEMs want VR to be, but having an advanced menu and this is what Vive does for the people that do the gear VR lens mod. But let us calibrate 
our personal distortion. You can throw up a grid of a bunch of horizontal horizontal and vertical lines, and then let us dial in, change parameters to straighten out the curves. And um, I don't, I don't know why that's not a thing. Um, I think that's the answer, like, because there's not going to be a one size fit all um, solution out there that where, where one headset just works great for everybody. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. And that, that's the overarching point I want to make on this. I think it's so subjective. I don't doubt that people are having a flawless experience in the Pimax. And I've warmed to it, as I've mentioned over the past week. I'm not going to be too harsh on it, as I expected to be when I first tried it, because there is definitely an element of breaking in the Pimax and just getting used to it. And uh, MRTV Sebastian uh, did mention uh, use the latest uh, Pi tool and I have I have installed the latest firmware, the latest Pi tool, uh, the latest NVIDIA drivers, um, everything is up to date and I don't doubt see if I place myself on either side of this argument, I don't doubt that I could really say, describe this as being some kind of fishbowl effect very slight fishbowl effect on either side, I think that, that argument does have some, some weight to it for certain people and yet if I place myself on the other side and I could easily ignore this small effect that you get on either side. I think I could I could equally say, you know, there's hardly any distortion at all. It's very difficult to give a, uh, a objective opinion on this when the device itself is so subjective. And going back to what Anthony said a few weeks ago, I think we need places to try these devices before you buy because I think one person could be very unimpressed with the Pimax and another person could be very impressed with it. I fall squarely in the middle. Uh, Anthony, hey, you've got Gary. Yeah. Uh, well, one question I have is, so you're talking about the distortion and everything, and it, and sometimes when you're talking about it, it sounds like it's a deal breaker for you to a degree. But my question is, when you're in a VR experience, like if I jump into anything, I can notice screen door immediately, but then 10 minutes later, I'm playing the game, you know, and I'm in the game and I'm lost in the game. My question for you is, 10 minutes into the game, do you forget about all this stuff or does it creep back in and you notice it again? No, that is a really good question because I was playing uh, Skyrim for a little while, not not too long, because I didn't really spend any time for any length of time in, in any one thing. I was trying so many things this past week. Um, and I think there is an element of that. I will say like playing Project Cars, for example, the distortion barely bothered me at all because you're focused straight ahead and that's where the game is in Skyrim you're constantly looking around you're constantly exploring and when you've got this this constant movement on either side of your periphery which is very difficult for me to ignore it causes a problem so um just to finish off we, we I don't want to go too long on this but but I, I'm not going to be picking up a Pimax it's not that I'm against Pimax this headset if if um if it was a little bit lower cost to me, because I've got to pick up the lighthouses in the in the Vive ones and that kind of stuff, I could definitely be tempted, knowing now the difference a week makes in terms of using this device and how you get used to it. Um, I could definitely be tempted, but I don't think it's fair of when I look on forums um, about people that don't have distortion, I don't think it's fair to dismiss it outright because it is a problem for some people and it shouldn't be dismissed and it shouldn't be just a case of if you're getting distortion, you're not doing it right because I don't think that's entirely the case, um, unfortunately. Unfortunately, but 
Following there are me, some I'm, people that um, I, you're you're right. It, we shouldn't dismiss anyone that says they have a lot of distortion because other people don't. It's very polarizing. Um, a lot of people have said, and I don't know if you experienced this. Uh, I've personally spoke to people though that that tried different facial interfaces, and they have claimed that their distortion basically 100% went away. Um, that 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 distance just was was a huge game changer. Did you experiment with that? I've always described the Pimax as having a gigantic sweet spot in a traditional sense of what we understand a sweet spot in a VR headset to be, but then it actually has a uh, small positional sweet spot in terms of how far your eyeballs are from the lenses, uh, the vertical placement on your face, and, and, and so on. So did you experiment with that? And did you, at the very least, if it didn't eliminate your distortion, did you see sort of a dramatic change based on that depth positioning? Yeah, that there was definitely okay. So I tried uh, moving because some people have actually reported moving it closer can can change that as well. Less people, I think. Um, but yeah, moving the headset further away, I didn't have a thicker face face pad, so I, I, I couldn't do it too much. But but the small amount I did try it that did reduce the distortion on the edges. There is no doubt about that. That that did do that. But with how I was positioning it, I did get a few. Uh, problems more toward it was sort of like distortion encroaching a little bit further in but to a lesser effect if that makes sense um and i don't know that i think there's there's definite weight to to trying that if you own a pimax um and you've got access to a, th a thicker face uh, interface i think i think that's worth doing um so gary to wrap this whole thing up <laughs> you are no longer on the pimax bandwagon i mean ultimately like what do you think i'm, I'm tempted i initially at the beginning of this week anthony i would have said no no way um and i've listened i've read so many reports on people that have problems with the distortion as i do um but they seem to be very much uh first hand like like first experiences in the pimax if you persevere with this i think that anybody could get used to it to a certain extent but there will inevitably be people that simply can't get used to it enough to enjoy the headset um just a couple of points to hit on before i finish this because we have been going long on this but um kevin henderson on our pimax interview that steve and i did a few weeks ago he did say that the distortion profiles are being changed they are being uh sort of help uh changed uh, continually to get more people so that they don't experience this distortion so i do think there's hope for people that experience distortion now in the pimax for the future um and i suppose the final point i wanted to ask you guys is um well steve primarily i suppose because you've tried this would you consider the pimax a generation two hmd uh, i mean I, I, we, you have to define a generation. Uh, do I do I consider yeah. the Pimax in a different class? Um, yes, because I feel like the experience of the Pimax is just different from all the other headsets. I, I, the I, I've always said that, and and you've made a similar point today that it's not just about the Fove. It's about the clarity. It's about the lack of God rays. Um, I would prefer to use a Pimax on small Fove than I would an Oculus Rift. Uh, speaking purely about the HMD, not about the controls. I can't stand the Vive ones. I've been very clear about that too. So um, I think 
you know, if you want to call that Gen 1.5, if you want to call it Gen 2, everyone has a different opinion as to what uh, makes a generation. You know, for some people, Gen 2 isn't isn't going to be here until there's eye tracking and foveated rendering and hand tracking and and like all these things. And if that's the definition of Gen 2, then no, the Pimax certainly isn't Gen 2. Um, but it is it is something different than Gen 1. Like it feels to me very different than a Rift, a Vive, a PSVR, uh, Odyssey. It's, it's just, it's in a different position than, than, than all of those headsets. So it's something Gen 1.25, whatever. It's, it's something more than Gen 1, uh, maybe less than Gen 2, depending on how you define it. Um, I will say I'll give a small update on my, I, obviously I haven't received my replacement headset yet from them. Uh, when I made my support ticket last week, the, uh, I'm going through the original support. So I'm not officially going through, um, Kevin and, and us support yet because they don't have that ticketing system in place. But um, so when I made my support ticket, they responded quickly, very quickly um, and say, oh, yeah, we have uh, additional 5Ks in the U.S. warehouse. Um, you know, if you send us your your headset, we'll get one out to you ASAP. Um, so I do that. And then I I sent in an update to my support ticket um, on Friday and I said, OK, you guys have had my my headset for a week now. Um, have you sent my replacement? And um, my response was, uh, yes, we've sent your replacement. It left Shanghai on March 10th in, in, a, in one of our bundled shipments. And as soon as it clears customs and everything, you should, we'll dispatch it to you. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, hold on. My first response was that there was additional units in the U.S. already, and I was going to get one of those. Now they're telling me I'm, I'm in a, a shipment that is already inbound from Shanghai. So, um they they have a lot of work still to do on the communication and and as we know i mean kevin admitted to that the the company will admit to it um and and, and telling you how they are with the support and communication and that they're working on that so um just wanted to give that update that communication still a problem support is still an issue like all along ever since the pimax kickstarter we have said here and and we've been criticized for it too that that you know, we were rifters roundtable or whatever because we weren't all in on the Pimax and that we had concerns of support. I would say in hindsight, looking back to our early thoughts and concerns a year ago are very valid. Here here we are. I've you know, I've I've been without my Pimax almost as much as I've had my Pimax uh, due to, to, you know, quality issues and, and breaking and support and stuff. So I think our initial concerns are very valid. And, you know, just to kind of give further Pimax thought, I will stand behind uh, my opinion that that it is my favorite headset. It is the 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 best experience that I can get right now as a consumer in VR. I'm not counting the X-Tall or the Star VR one because I can't really buy one of those. Um, that being said, it also feels a little bit like like my Samsung Odyssey or my Oculus Rift is like the family's minivan. It's dependable. It's always there. I can always fall back to it. The Pimax feels like the souped up Trans Am that you, your neighbor <laughs> always had. And like he was always working on it. And like when it worked, like it could haul ass. And it was a very fast, fun car to drive. But he was always replacing the carburetor or putting new tires on it or something. So um, that's kind of how I'm seeing the Pimax 
mechanics right now. When I have it and when it works, it's much more fun to drive than the minivan. But I'll be damned, that minivan is always there when I need to go somewhere. And um, that that's just where I am with the Pimax right now. Still love it. Still going to say I recommend it to those that are enthusiasts that don't mind to tinker, don't mind to change settings and 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 do all that. Like Elite Dangerous is fantastic in the Pimax, but you gotta have a backup headset. I disagree with Anthony. It doesn't need to be another Pimax as your backup headset, but you have to have a backup headset for the time being. And um, that's just, you know, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, good analogy. I like that. Um, and Anthony, just quickly, what do you expect from like Gen 2? Uh, well, any thoughts you've got on that really? Well, one thought I have for you, Gary, is it sounds like you're more impressed with the higher resolution that you're seeing than anything else. And if that's the case, personally, I'd just be patient because higher resolution headsets are incoming from multiple directions. You know what I mean? Like when these 2160 by 2160 headsets come out, that I doubt they're going to have all these distortion problems and all these other problems, and they're going to have that higher resolution. They're not going to have the big FOV but it doesn't seem like that does it for you anyway. So you might be best well, to just kind of hold off, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, I didn't want to miss this out, actually, because you did say to me, before we do the show, make sure you go back into the Rift um, just to see how big the impact oh, yeah. of the FOB. Um, and I wasn't expecting it, but yes, it was significant. Total uh, paper roll, right? Yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> you don't realize... I think going from the Rift to the Pimax, if you're not doing it immediately, the, the wide field of view really didn't hit me to that extent. And the resolution is great. I think resolution is probably more key in, personally, but the field of view is uh, pretty impressive, especially going back to the Rift. Yeah, that was uh, quite significant. I, I, I just... This is the problem. See, I've borrowed this. I've got to give it back. And now I'm stuck with a riff, but I'm hoping, you know, I'll just get used to it in a few days again. I'll be so fine. all things said, you're not willing to jump in for the 700 euro asking price. But if you didn't have to give this back, would you use it instead of your rift? Uh, yeah, good question. I think um, it would be used alongside the rift. I think there's certain games definitely that i would use it more for um but i wouldn't use it exclusively no i think the riff would still have its place for certain certain titles and it shouldn't be uh, underestimated as well that the controls <laughs> the the touch controllers are a big big deal for me honestly Yep. Okay. Uh, well, let's get on to a couple of games. These are both PSVR games that we've been playing this past week. Uh, the Wizards Enhanced Edition came out on PSVR. It's also available on Steam, um, and it's by Carbon Studios. It's for $25 and £20. Um, this past week, I have been focused on the Pimax, so I haven't played either of these games too much, but I have jumped in very quickly. But let me go over to Anthony first. Uh, the Wizards, what did you think? Yeah, so the Wizards, I don't know, man. I'm kind of like, I don't know what to say about this game because some aspects of it are very impressive and it seems like it's this grand adventure and, you know, you're, the graphics are good. I Like, one thing I will say about the PlayStation VR version of this game is I do believe the graphics are pretty good in this game. Like, a lot of the the textures and everything that you're seeing everywhere, it's pretty good. Having said that, one of the other things that I'm kind of sensing, and and maybe this is a little bit more obvious in a lot of PlayStation VR games, is like a lot of the backgrounds, if you really start looking at them, it looks like 
there's like four different stages of wallpaper. You know what I mean? And it's like this castle over there is wallpaper. That castle over there is wallpaper. Then there's the wallpaper of the sky. And then there's the wallpaper of a mountain that's over there. And if you don't really look too close, if you're just kind of walking along and playing the game, it all looks very impressive. But you stop and you start looking at everything and it's kind of this wallpaper syndrome. I don't know. Uh, uh, it's kind of a side rant, I guess I'm on a little bit as far as that goes. But the game itself, some of the problems that I dealt with this game was controls. Like one of the things that you're going to learn very early, first of all, it does use two move controllers and you do have legit hand presence, which is very nice. You're playing it on PlayStation VR. So you do need to stay within the cone of vision that your PSVR has with your one camera. But very early on, you start learning this. Well, you get a spell where you can conjure up a fireball. And it's simply a matter of like holding down a button and turning your hand a certain way. And then, bam, a fireball appears. And one of the problems I had is like I would do it and I would make a fireball appear. But like if I, I would do the same motion 10 times and six times I would get the fireball and four times I wouldn't get the fireball. Yet I'm doing the same thing every time. And that did get frustrating. I'm not going to lie. The other thing is, is like, okay, so you made a fireball now. You see an enemy that appears to be about 50 feet away from you. You have a little cursor that's kind of moving around. You get the cursor onto the enemy, and then you naturally think you're going to throw the fireball like a baseball. But half the time I was throwing the fireball, it was going way up in the air or just kind of fall and land right here or it'd go way over there. And then some of the times I would do it where if I just started to get into this motion where I just kind of flicked it towards where I wanted to go, then it would and it would it would be like a line drive and it would go exactly where I wanted it to go. Um, but I found it frustrating that there wasn't this like it, you couldn't depend on it like in the heat of battle, I'm like trying to make a fireball. Why am I not making a fireball? You know, and these kinds of things, but it's an interesting game. I mean, I don't know what to say about it. I'll, it's going for 25 bucks in the U S it's, there's a lot of levels. It's a pretty in-depth game. Another little criticism I will have about it though. And, and it's especially relevant because I just finished, I just um, completed shadow legend VR. And so I've, I'm done with shadow legend VR and going around Shadow Legend and finding all the treasures and all the little goodies that you can pick up in Shadow Legend VR. When I was in the Wizards, I started exploring all the different nooks and crannies, but there's nothing to find anywhere. You do find a wall here or there that looks a little bit different, and then you take your fireball, you throw it at the wall, you open up a door, and you go into a, a little secret room. But there wasn't as much, like, you you don't, you don't get, um, there's no incentive to explore every nook and cranny in this game. You might as well just stay on the, on the main trail. I think it's pretty good, but I can't say it's like one of the greatest games. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't really pin this one down too well. Just um, quickly before I pass it over to Steve, because I've not got a lot to say, only because I, I didn't spend a huge amount of time. I, I played through the tutorial and then the first area of uh, the Wizards. And I was expecting, I think it's how I expected to go into this. I, I just thought it was like a wave shooter kind of thing where you cast spells and um, fight the enemies. And I suppose there is an element of that, but you do travel around the this world as well um, and do... I don't even know if you do puzzles. I don't know if you call them puzzles necessarily, but they're just small interactions that you do around the world as well. So it's got that element of it. 
and it looks pretty good um, on the PSVR. Um, and Paradise Decay did say that uh, the Wizards is a better experience on the PC because of the the motion controllers. And I experienced the same thing, Anthony, with the uh, the move controllers on the PSVR. Sometimes it wasn't registering perfectly, and there was a little bit of frustration with that. It wasn't like a, a huge deal or anything, but it was you know a small thing to mention. And it just comes back again yet again you know the move controllers in my opinion are not quite fit for purpose um so that's all it comes down to nothing against the game and i think uh, they've done a pretty good job on the game from my point of view the very small amount i've played steve what did you think i thought it was pretty good um I, i'm not sure the 25 dollars asking price is right um but you know at the same time i think it's fair like it, it's, it's it's a very as anthony said it's a very difficult game to pin down because it it's doing a lot. The The quality is high. The fidelity is high. The scope of the game, it's my new word, scope, like, um, you know, just kind of the, the, the breadth of the game, you know, like, what are you doing? What's your objective? How fleshed out is the world? Is it something you're going to be done with in 45 minutes? Like, all, all of that. And um, this is a decently scoped game in, in terms of, of size. Uh, I don't know how long it is to run through all the story because I, I didn't complete it. Um, but I have a feeling that you're going to can get a lot of hours out of this. At the same time, it has a, um, a replayability, a leaderboards, a scoring element to it. So if you can imagine um, doing a quest in Skyrim, um, but yet you earn points and, you know, the that particular quest could be tracked on a leaderboard and you could run through it again um it has these cards that you can do as a as a mult as a modifier for the level or the quest so to speak where um you, know, you can make the enemies tougher or uh whatever so um it's, it's, it's got an original uh take on um a a narrative game while also making it a sort of an arcade-ish experience with the leaderboards and the scoring um graphically the game looks pretty good i think it looks really good for playstation vr uh, i do expect if i had played this on pc that the fidelity would be higher um uh, i could tell that the assets and, and the things running behind the scenes are, are, are pretty pretty high quality um all in all the it's it's difficult for me to say because i have so many games to get to and, you know, we're, we're always playing the next thing, the next review to get to and, and such. And, uh, oh, woe is me, first world problems. But the I'm trying to think that if if I wasn't doing reviews and, and you know, I played less games and, and was more of a completionist on the games I do play um, and trying to think whether or not this is worth 25 bucks and, and something that I recommend people buy. Um, it's 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 hard. Like I'm torn, uh, on whether I can recommend it. It's a good game. Like it's, it's not filled with jank. Uh, I personally didn't have the issues casting the fireball that Gary and, and, and Anthony mentioned. Um, but at the same time, it feels in some ways, double a, it feels, uh, it feels like it's just missing something. And, and, and I don't know what it is. For me, I, one thing, the game was somewhat easy. Like I didn't die. Um, I wasn't troubled too much. Um, so it's it's I firmly recommended on sale, um, you know, if they get the price down at 25 bucks. It's kind of I'd say I recommend it if you're into these style games, if you want something that looks good, something with spell casting. I think the gestures and where you pull up the ice 
bow and arrow and the shield and the fireballs and, and everything. I think I think that all works pretty well for PlayStation VR. Um, so there's a lot to like. Um, but it's just missing. It's, it's, it, it's difficult to put your finger on. It's like a song. Like it has all the parts and you're like, okay, it's got drums, it's got bass, it's got good vocalists. But for some reason, when it comes together, the orchestra isn't, isn't connecting the dots. And it's a little bit how this feels. Okay. Um, yeah, Anthony, anything else to add on that? So I was just going to say, if, if you're a PlayStation VR gamer, you're probably, if you're interested in a game like this, you might be going back and forth between the mage's tail and this game. And I think the mage's tail is 29.99 on PlayStation VR and this is 25 and I haven't played the PSVR version of the mage's tail so I'm not really sure. But they're both I I mean the good news is PlayStation VR players are getting good stuff to sink their teeth into. This is not garbage. It's absolutely not garbage. It's just how good is it is the question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the final game we can touch on this week is Intruders: Hide and Seek. Yet again on uh, PSVR. Anthony and I, I think we've uh, both both played this game. I did. Uh, as this well. is. Oh, you did. Okay. Uh, well, let's get into this then. So this is by uh, Tezzeris Studios. Uh, it's for sixteen pounds. Uh, currently on offer for thirteen pounds and uh, twenty dollars, I believe. Um, and probably got a little bit of discount on that at the moment as well. Um, Steve, I'll go back to you first on this one then. So Intruders Hide and Seek, what did you think? Um, compared this game to the last game, and I go for the last game, no questions asked. Um, I think The Wizards is a much better game than Intruders. Uh, in fact, so it's sort of bad luck in that I played um, Intruders while having just wrapped up Alien Isolation, and they have a very common gameplay mechanic in that it's a stealth based game where you hide inside cabinets, lockers and whatever, and you look through the vents or through the openings, the slits uh, to see your enemy. And you also crawl through vents, by the way. Um, so it's like, it's, it's, I, I would be very surprised if the people who made this game didn't play Alien Isolation and just straight borrow a lot of those mechanics. Um, the problem is that Alien Isolation is a much better game. Um, so I think if I played this game uh, three months ago or, or some time removed from Alien Isolation, I would probably like it better. But literally coming out of Alien Isolation and immediately booting into this game, um, it it's 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 like eating a a, a nice fifty dollar fillet from a well known steakhouse, and then picking up a Big Mac as your dessert or something. Like it's just you get that immediate contrast, and it makes the the lower one feel much poorer than it probably deserves. Um, so I wasn't too big on it. I think the concept is good. Um, the if anyone saw that movie called Panic Room with Jodie Foster, like this is Panic Room without Jodie Foster, the VR game. Um, so the story is interesting enough. I I, I like it. Um, uh, I, I didn't complete it. Uh, I do know that the experience is relatively short. Um, I don't know if either of you guys completed it, but I think you can wrap it up from what I've read in an hour and a half. Um, I just didn't, I didn't like the gameplay enough. I didn't like the experience enough to keep with it myself. So um, I think it could be worth its asking price if if you're hard up and you really want this sort of experience. Um, but in my opinion, this would be something I'd say wait 
till it's on sale for nine ninety nine. Yeah, it's got to be tough coming from Alien Isolation because these games are so close in terms of gameplay. Um, and yet I, in the short amount, again, you know, I, I was concentrating on the Pimax this past week, so I didn't play a huge amount of this. Um, but the short amount that I did play, uh, bearing in mind I haven't played Alien Isolation for quite a while as well, um, I actually thought this was pretty impressive. Um, so I think it, it's going for this thing where it tries to immerse you in a world. And I always like this build-up, this this little build-up that some games do in order to immerse you into a world. So you find yourself in a, in a car and they're doing some world building, some uh, story development while you're just traveling very passively along in the back of this car. You, you play uh, this uh, child and your parents are in the front and your father is a scientist and he's on the phone and you're just picking up little snippets of stories you go along and it's a very slow burn the initial section is very slow burn and then you get into the gameplay um which you know it is it's just, it's it's hide and seek you're playing alien isolation you're hiding in various things you have to uh, get the uh, various items in order to progress to the next stage but for the most part you're just avoiding somebody um and I, I actually was was pretty impressed with it. And out of the two games, uh, contrary to, to Steve, I'd probably go for this one. But then again, I've not played either of them enough to give a, a proper opinion on it. But that's just like, like a good reaction, I suppose. Anthony, what did you think? So I played this game that original time when I got it and haven't gone back into it. Not because it's a bad game, but because, you know, other stuff pop up and I'm always trying to find something new to, you know, do a let's play for or something like that. Um, I enjoyed this game. One thing I will ask Steve about is, okay, so when you do get into the closet and you're hiding in the closet because like the bad guys are coming or whatever, one of the mechanics that they do have in this game is you have like this heartbeat that's going on. And so you take your DualShock 4 controller and you have to time it to the heartbeat to try to like quiet yourself down like it that's kind of cool right <laughs> yeah it, i mean it's i it's it's hard for me to to say that that's not a gimmick like and, and i hate that i'm saying that word in talking about vr because all the naysayers say vr is a gimmick like to me that felt like a nintendo wii motion controller gimmick like um it, it's it's it serves a purpose and i, I think um in alien isolation you just hide, and for the most part, once you hide, you're safe. In this game, having that extra component where you have to like do something, um, I think it gives it a a an extra layer that um, it helps. It's not just you know hide and, and basically easy button, um, but at the same time, timing that for me was so easy that it almost accomplished the same thing. Like if it was tricky, like you had to do like some up and down and, and it came a little bit faster to where that if you screw up, like it, it had more risk to it. I would like it more, but because for me it was so easy, it really was, was sort of just this layer of annoyance between me accomplishing my goal. Um, so, but I, I get your point. It was a, it, it, at the very least it was an original idea. Yeah. Okay, well, 
the thing that I like most about the game, like like I'll just say one thing I really like about the game, one thing I don't really like about the game. The thing I like most about it is the house. The house that like you're in a really nice house, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and it's got a lot of rooms and a lot of areas to the house. And for a PlayStation VR game, I think the graphics are pretty good. And there's something about being in a house in VR, like those of you that have played Transference you start to really learn that house. You start to know that house. It becomes a place that you experienced. And I could see that happening. I didn't know this game was as short as it was. I should have finished it because it's another game I could probably finish, actually. The thing that I don't like about this game is I felt like the scale of a lot of things was way off. And it was it was immersion-breaking to me. I know you play like a little kid, like you're like a seven-year-old kid or whatever, but like I'm looking at a coffee cup and it's like the size of a bucket, you know, it's like this big giant coffee cup. And like some of the just the scale of a lot of things seemed very off to me and it was just kind of off putting. But, um, you know, it's 20 bucks. I, I think it's a pretty cool game, but, you know, you don't need to run out like we're not ranting and raving about it. But I think it's a it's got its own story. You know, it's doing this home invasion thing like it. It has an actual story and an idea. And, you know, it's it's a decent a decent uh, adventure you could go on. Yep. Yeah. OK, uh, well, that's pretty much all we've got for this week. Has anybody got anything they quickly want to get to before we close up the show here? I do not. Okay, well, let's call that episode 117 then. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, sorry about some of the technical issues during the show, uh, the early parts of the show. Hopefully it didn't ruin it too much for you. Um, and we'll be back next week for episode 118. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.